Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Here it comes. In there. And that does it. History in the desert. The Texas Rangers, for the first time ever, are World Series champs. And the celebration begins third base side of the mound. The dog pile as they jump up and down out of the dugout, out from the bullpen in right field. The Rangers celebrate. The Texas Rangers are World Series champs. 63 years is a long time to wait. But the Texas Rangers are World Series champions. It's my distinct pleasure to present the Commissioner's Trophy to Ray Davis, Neil Liebman, and Chris Downey. Steve Reed, an excellent free throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technical. Look at here, look at here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Chair across the free throw lane. And I think uh, Fred up another team. We only got two people that are going to tell you I'm not going to be here. One is our SID and the other is me. Who the hell told you I wasn't going to be here? I'd like to know. Do you have any idea who it was? Yeah, I do. Who? I'll point him out to the line. They were from Indiana, right? No, they're not. No, weren't from Indiana, and you didn't get it from anybody from Indiana, did you? Please, please. No, I'll, do, I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Welcome in. Good morning on a Thursday to Hurt At Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. Hello. And we are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. I'm currently logging in, so that will be live on, live on YouTube. Oh, I'm live on YouTube And right Twitter now. as well. Yeah. There's no issue there. Andrew's got you covered. I put We're, the comb over today. Yeah? You yeah, doing nice a little, little comb over. Is that, is that uh, just, just feeling, the, feeling the comb over today? I was, feeling the, I was feeling the brush this morning. You know, normally I'm just like, hey, I'm going to grab a hat, like make it easy on myself. I'm like, nah, I'll, I'll dice it up a little bit, change, change the look up. I, I wore a, uh, a, a newish long sleeve that I got um, from uh, y- your local store. Uh, they don't sponsor with our show, so they don't get a <laughs> shout-out. And uh, until they do, you'll never know where I got this from. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh I feel like I'm like all classed up for high school. Like this seems like very. I feel very high school today. Yeah, you're like taking class picture. Yeah. Just well, little... not really class picture. <laughs> like just more like. Eh, this, I feel like this is what a high schooler would wear. <laughs> okay. There we go. We got Andrew dressed up as I. You know, we're a couple of days after Halloween. You'd have to dress mm-hmm. up today. Yeah, that that is true. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of feeling uh, feeling the education vibes today okay. because uh, we all know Bob Knight was a huge supporter of. Um, student athletes and uh the education off 
the court. Uh, we know Bob was uber successful when it came to coaching, mm-hmm. but the off the court stuff kind of gets like lost in the mix. But if you really think about it, like he was one of those coaches that always had a top tier graduation rate for his teams. Yeah, so it's you, you mentioned off-court stuff. The positive off-the-court stuff always gets lost, mm-hmm. right? Like, the negative off-the-court stuff we remember. And, I mean, rightfully so. Like, it's – Bob Knight's actually, like, a really unique um, person for me because he embodies, I think, what a lot of our lives are closer to than than maybe we realize where – you know, I think complicated is a good word for his legacy because there was some stuff that he did that he definitely should not have done, right? Like that's... Like it, what? <laughs> a lot of the hitting of people. Oh, you can't do that? <laughs> like, and it goes back to like the 70s. It wasn't like he just became a crotchety old man. Like he's kind of always been like this. But I also... It's a different ju- time, a different world. Yeah, but he kept doing it into like the 2010s. Yeah, unfortunately, it, uh, <laughs> you know, like it... What, what worked for him, right? And it was... And, you know, I... It's it's a he's a complicated guy because obviously he has this part of his personality that he had a really hard time controlling, but he also has this part of his personality where he obviously deeply cared about his players, and and the players love and adore him. Yes, uh, yes, and, and he was obviously very good at what he did in terms of coaching basketball. Um, stylistically, it's it's not something I would have probably wanted to play for, but it obviously worked for a lot of people, and and. I do think he was, you know, I think his his demeanor overshadowed a lot of the positive things about his life and what he cared about and the people he cared about. And, you know, like, I actually think he's a very similar figure to Bo Pelini. Like, Bo <laughs> you know, I actually, uh, I wrote that down. Like, he's, obviously he was way more successful than Bo Pelini, right? But Bo Pelini at Nebraska, at least, was was pretty darn successful especially considering the rest of the last 20 Mm -hmm. years in Nebraska football history but a lot of and ultimately for both people it's it was their demeanor that got them fired from the place that and that's why I made the correlation yeah and it's it's disappointing because I know for a fact that from people that know him that know that know him well that Bo Pelini is a very caring person and, and like his players love him yeah and his players love him and he like is I, I don't know him personally but <clears throat> that he is a genuinely good guy and that he just has this part of his personality that for some reason or another he's never been able to get his arms around really all it is is he's different he's not like your buttoned up head coach he was different it's the same thing with Bob Knight. Now, Bob Knight was extremely different. Yeah, and it but, crossed a line into other things. But, but if you think about it, he was one of the most respected individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Across the board in basketball. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying college basketball. I'm saying basketball. Yes, he had his antics. Mm-hmm. Yes, he may have potentially choked out one of his own players. Yes, he threw a chair across the floor, which is all you remember. That's all you remember yeah, seeing. Yeah, you remember the bad stuff. Do you remember a week ago, week and a half ago, you asked me, like, who's a coach I have an affinity yeah. for? And I said Bob Knight. Like a random like, coach. You were like, why? And I'm like, because I love watching his highlights. I love watching him throw a chair across the floor. Yeah. I love watching how spirited he was on the bench. And I loved seeing his team's success. Like, all in all, that's why I, I, I loved Bob Knight, because I didn't get to watch Bob Knight. Right. Like, he was yeah. so before my time that I only got to see the craziness after the fact. 
just the aftermath of it all. Yeah. But if you if you hear anything from college coaches, like we'll, we'll throw Coach K in there, who played mm-hmm. and uh, coach played for Bob Knight and was Bob Knight was his mentor. Yeah. Uh, you have like Bill Self, who who would say good things about him. Steve Kerr said something really nice about him too when Steve Kerr was playing with the Bulls. Like there are so many, there are so many people out there that even though like Bob Knight was this um, a little over the top individual, um, mm-hmm. could come off a little bit scary. He was so respected. So respect. Yeah. Like if he pulled you aside, you you know you're getting six f bombs in that <laughs> in that three sentence liner that he gave you, but you also know that you're gonna take that away because of the prowess of that 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 he kind of built on his own. Like the the house that Bob Knight built mm-hmm. was so big and so large and so uh, luxurious. He was 902 and 371. Like, yeah. That was his overall record. He had 902 wins. Like This dude didn't lose often. No. He was the last guy to have an undefeated team in college basketball. We've seen teams get close, but like for, nowadays. Go the entire way, including winning a national championship. Like the 1976 whole was yep. the last time that a team went undefeated. Well, it was the 75 season, but 76 was the year that a team went undefeated and won the national title. Like, Bob Knight won games. Mm-hmm. He got respect for winning games. Going back to your, your point that you just made, Bo Pelini won games. He got respect for winning games. But what, did they, what they gained by winning games, they lost in their personality. Yeah. And that's what, that's what drove a ton of people away. Yeah, which I understand the people that it drove away, and I also understand the people that respect him immensely. Um, honestly, the the Bob Knight thing is, like I said, he's one of the most interesting characters, and I, I don't say that as a pejorative, just like as a, a personality throughout uh, at least modern sports history because of that dynamic, right? Because of the fact that you know he he almost seemed like he was two very different people depending on what kind of mood he was in and maybe he was right like it was a but you mentioned the winning the thing i saw yesterday that shocked me was i knew he had won three national titles obviously we know we know about the undefeated team in 76 which that's we're going on 50 years now since somebody's done that like carry the two almost we're getting there we're almost there a few more years we'll be at 50 square root yeah um and the the thing that shocked me that I read yesterday was three national titles, undefeated season, 900 wins, one NBA All-Star. <laughs> He's only he, – like, that's the – Do you remember what he did in the Olympics when he coached the Olympic team? Yeah, that was with, uh, like, in Jordan in, the, in 84. I think he was – Do you remember who he said, yeah, you, my guy is starting over you? You know who – you remember who he said that to? No. Charles Barkley. Oh, that's right. That's right. John Stockton. Yeah. Like, he kicked off NBA All-Stars on that team to have his guys that no one even knew that just won him a national title, right, uh, play in that spot. He, uh, the only NBA All-Star that ever played for him was Isaiah Thomas, which to win at that level, that consistently, and only have one, like, truly high-level player, had a bunch of guys that went on to play in the NBA, right? But look at North Carolina. 
all stars on top of all stars on top of all stars. Duke all stars on top, of, although less so than like a Carolina or Kansas, because a lot of Duke guys kind of flame out historically before the last like one and done stretch here. A lot of Duke guys flamed out in the NBA, and but to look at all that success and have one NBA All Star, I was first of all I was stunned by that, and secondly, it goes to show you the level of teacher and coach he was. Like he was elite at the teaching of the game of basketball. There were a lot of things he didn't do as well. Press conferences was one of them. But <laughs> hey, I thought those were great. If you weren't in the room, you think those yes. are great. Yeah, if you were if in the room, if you're in the room, you're sweating a little bit before you ask your question. Yeah, if you're not in the room and you're watching it like 20 years later, like yeah, they're terrific. But, <laughs> but I'd like to refer to this whole thing from start to finish as a real Mickey Mouse operation. But that'd be an insult to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> And he obviously had his like quips and, and anecdotes like that that'll probably live forever. The one that rings most true to me now is he's at a, I think he was being honored in Indiana, I think it was before he got fired, and basically said, you know, when all this is said and done, I hope you bury me upside down mm-hmm. so my critics can kiss my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, that one went around a lot yesterday. Did they follow through? I, I Probably not, if I had to guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, he was a... Obviously, one of the defining figures of basketball, I think, in history. I, like, I, I think you'd have a hard time telling the story of basketball without Bob Knight. Um, and maybe that's the, the biggest compliment you can pl- pay him. I will say, and I tweeted this out last night, Bob Knight is the owner, in my opinion, of the biggest flex in like history, at least sports history. In 1984, between the Olympics, when he was coaching that Olympic team and Michael Jordan and and all those guys you were talking about, and the NBA draft, he was telling anybody who would listen that he believed Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player he had ever seen. Mm -hmm. Before Michael Jordan had played a single NBA game. And these GMs were like, yeah, we get that he's really good, but we need a center. That's why Sam Bowie got taken number two. Hakeem Olajuwon, like, I don't have an argument with that pick. Like, Hakeem's great, and they wanted a center. Who's that? He's, he's a little basketball player played in Houston for a little while. Just a little guy? Yeah. Uh, well, Did he win, like, like, back-to-back MVPs? 6'9", 6'10", I think. So a little, a little undersized for a center at the time. But, um, and so he's telling these GMs that he's going around, and he's saying, hey, you need to draft Michael Jordan, you need to draft Michael Jordan. And they're like, Bob, we need a center. And he's like, fine, play Jordan at center. (laughs) Like his conviction that Michael Jordan was that dude was unwavering. And it probably is the take that's aged the best of any take of all time. Uh, So I always will respect him for that. And and it kind of just goes to show you his like basketball IQ. Like there's, listen, a lot of people thought Michael Jordan was going to be good, but to at that point, he had already had a reputation as being like he didn't have to say something like that. He wasn't he wasn't a a commentator, talking head person at that point. He was a basketball coach. This dude didn't play for him mm-hmm. at Indiana. He was just like, no, that's the best basketball player I've ever seen. And you know what? That's just his eye for spotting talent. Yeah, and that goes back to your point of having one NBA All Star on his team. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't need a team of the most talented to win a national title. Mm-hmm. He just needed the right guys, the right fit. Who do we talk about uh, having the right guys and the right fit with all the time? A uh, little guy we like to call Coach Matt Rule. That is correct. Sometimes it's okay to not have the, the top five stars, whatever, and not, obviously there weren't like star rankings way back when, right. uh, but people knew who, who the best were at that time. Yeah. 
where they were going, who they were playing with and for. But you don't always need that. All you need is the right, the right program, the right chemistry, the right, uh, the right bodies in the room in order to reach a certain goal. And then a lot of that also falls on the coach mm-hmm. in order to lead them to get to that point. Bob Knight will go down as like a great coach, one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. There are some coaches, though, out there that are just pawns on a chessboard. Like, they're in different spots. Mm-hmm. Like, if we really want to go down a list, of, like, if you look in the NBA, there are, there are teams that you could probably point to right now where you're like, ah, you're more of, like, a pawn. You're not, like, the coach. Like, yeah, uh, yeah there's in cer- Milwaukee, like, Giannis runs that organization. There are certain situations where the coach has dramatically less power than others, yeah. Right. Where LeBron goes, you probably don't have the greatest of power. Yeah. But then you've got like a lot of guys get lose their jobs. A Popovich or a Kerr who actually run those organizations, or um, Spolstra in Miami. Spolstra is a great example. You have you have really good coaches that are going to go down as great coaches, Mm -hmm. and then you have other ones that are just pawns. Yeah, they're kind of placeholders. Always sit in the greatest of coaches. Yeah, he he always will will sit there with Coach K, uh, with Coach Calipari. you know, like a, with like a ton a of Roy Williams, modern day coaches, Bill Self, those types of guys, they um, will fall into the Bob Knight category. Uh, the the guy, the thing that actually reminded me the most, though, you mentioned Matt Rule. The thing that I think reminds me the most between Bob Knight and Matt Rule, and this is not to say that they're terribly similar, because I don't think they are. I mean, if you watch Rule, they're personality wise, I think they're pretty different. Really, <laughs> a little bit, um, but. The fact that I think they both know that they're going to ask and demand a lot of their guys, and so it's more important to have the guy they can ask and demand a lot of than the guy who might be 10% more talented, right? Like, I think Bob Knight firmly grasped that, and I think so does Coach Rule, where it's like, okay, I'm going to take this three-star guy instead of this four-star guy because I know that this three-star guy has the mentality to go through what I'm asking him to do. And if the four-star guy had it too, like, yeah, obviously you take the more talented version of that. But he's willing to sacrifice, I think, some top-end talent mm-hmm. in order to have the guy that he is confident can... You sacrifice talent for fit. Yeah, not, yeah not, and, and fit is more, I think when people say fit a lot, I think they think of, uh, like, scheme, right? That's what I mean a lot of the times when I say fit is, hey, wh- if you are running a certain scheme, you want a quarterback that can do X, Y, Z. You want linemen that can do xyz you want you know linebackers that have certain skill sets so a lot of times when you're talking about fit you're talking about scheme but what's maybe more important than the fit inside of a scheme is the fit inside of a culture right the fit inside of hey if i ask you to do this i know that you're willing to go that place with me and that's what i think coach rule brings to the table i think that's what coach knight brought to the table as well um even though Obviously, from the outside, it's going to look really different. There is a lot of commonalities there in what they ask of their players and how they go get players because of that. Mm. There, there is a lot of truth to the 50-50 there, the way that you just described fit and scheme and fit and culture. Um, a lot of it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, the, like, but there is a lot of truth to that. Oregon's a really good example of fit and scheme, right? Back in pre-Dan Lanning, so when you're going Chip Kelly, mm-hmm. Mark Helfrich, even you want to go back to uh, like Bilotti before that, 
is the fit and scheme allowed them to go get guys that were under-recruited because they knew they were going to be elite talents in their scheme. That, to me, is like a, a really good example of fit and scheme. And I think that's what a lot of times we default to when we're thinking about that. But if you're a guy like Coach Rule who doesn't really care what you run, he just wants to run. Like, I genuinely don't think Coach Rule has – like, we've seen it this year, right? He'll run whatever he has to run. But he can do that because of the fit and culture. Well, and I think fit and culture is, is kind of what we think most about, though, with Coach Rule. You yes. don't really think of fit and scheme. Absolutely. Even in the offseason, we thought when, when we used the term fit, it was fit and culture. Yes. Maybe other places like fit and scheme make more sense. And I think even here before Coach Rule. Like, I think before Coach Rule got here, yeah, we talked about fit in terms of like, oh, you kind of have to like understand Nebraska and understand this is sort of a different place. But a lot of times, I know for me specifically, part of the thing that I had an issue with with Coach Frost was like, hey, I don't really feel like they've established an identity, so it's really hard to find guys that fit if you don't know who you are, right? But that's true of not just scheme, that's also true of identity. If you don't know the, or that's also true of culture. If you don't have the identity of the culture that you want to be, you can't find fit guys because you're just kind of throwing, you're just throwing darts, right? You're guessing. And that's something that Coach Knight never did was guess. Speaking of Knight, um, you know, can you remind me or at least tell me, mm-hmm. and I have the answer, but I want to know if you know it, why he was fired at Indiana. Like what, what they actually got him on. Not, yeah. not like everything that built up to it. Sure. What was the moment that they said, yeah, you're done? Yeah, I am trying to remember. And it's honestly, I don't remember if the exact moment. It, I remember it feeling at the time, because uh, this was 2000. Uh, right, he got fired in 2000, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely, absolutely correct. I remember, you know, I was 12, 13 years old, so I had an awareness of what was happening. And I don't remember what the exact thing was. I just remember it feeling like uh, they've been trying to pin something on him for a while. So in 2000, Coach Knight was forced out of Indiana for violating a zero-tolerance behavior policy, which is kind of funny because it seemed like a lot of the things he was doing could have fallen under that mm-hmm. zero-tolerance policy. By grabbing the arm of a freshman student whom he said greeted him by his last name. Just Knight? <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was just Knight. I don't know if he said Coach Knight, but can you imagine getting mad for somebody calling you by your last name? Especially like an old head. Like when you think about respect, like respecting you your think, elders, yeah. you would think saying their last name, Mr. Knight, or uh, unless he said, hey, Knight in shining armor or something like or that. Or if he just called him Knight and he's like, hey, it's Coach Knight, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, I thought he had grabbed it's someone. Coach Knight to you. Yeah, I thought he had. Gr- I thought he had like grabbed someone either by the. Like, I thought he had grabbed him by like, the collar or something. That's a different incident, um, of the many. But uh, real quick before we uh, hop into the next segment here, my favorite Bob Knight memory randomly is actually from Texas Tech. ESPN had a reality show where he was letting a walk on on the team. And they like followed this process of the tryouts, and it was actually the most I ever respected Bob Knight because you got to see way more of him coaching than you ever had before, and not just the antics. And it was actually kind of an incredible, like especially in the early 2000s, like a really incredible sort of TV moment. Why do you fall in love with athletes? Because there's documentaries on them, and you get their lives in your hands. Absolutely.